Hello, and welcome to What's Stopping You, episode number two. Joining us is Hide Shidara. Hide, hello. Uh, you're an engineer. Uh, what's going on? What are, what are you thinking about? Uh, hey, everyone. Uh, so let's see. I started this project last week, uh, and I have these two blockers that I think um, that I think are kind of taking up a lot of energy to think about. So one, I think, is fear of commitment, and then the other one is... Uh, simply just time. Uh, okay. The first one, fear of commitment, is because I've been doing a lot of side projects for a while, um, and I've shut down probably like six at least at this point. Um, and each one is pretty, uh, like each one feels like a breakup, like every single time. And it does get easier in terms of process, but internally, like I think the emotions to manage are just they're difficult it's just difficult and so like this one i'm confident about it uh i was confident about the other ones too um but yeah i think i have some fear of commitment about just like um you know obsessing over this problem maybe it might not work out hmm. so classic fear of commitment um and then the other one is just time is like basically i'm just i just have like two jobs right i have my full-time hmm. job uh, i'm a software engineer at collective health uh and the other one is I'm just working on this side business, uh, trying to get customers, and it's just a lot of time. And mm. I don't have a structured routine, uh, even though I am someone that likes routine. I just something's blocking me from just quickly writing down on a piece of paper like ten minutes, just a routine. So I think those are the two things that I'd like to explore. I feel that the the fear of commitment is related to a topic Shai and I were just talking about uh, that he was helping me with uh, this morning. So I can. I was about to say, Christian, are you ready to get a bit vulnerable? Because yeah, yeah, I feel like we're we're bringing you into this one as well. For sure, I'll I'll say a little bit about that actually. Like the the way that that's manifested in my life is that uh, I I think it's I think it's a fear of. Uh, depending on something to succeed and then it's unsuccessful. So I, I, I uh, can, I, I've noticed myself constantly hedging those bets of like, uh, I have a product right now called the Video Clipper that's set to launch in two weeks. And I find my mind just going all over the place of like, oh, but what about like this other project that I haven't touched in, in a while? Like that could also be making money or like, oh, I, I could be ramping up uh, doing consulting work and that would be a way that I could be getting money. And I think my deconstruction of that from the conversation Shine I had was, that that is my fear of failure and, and trying to hedge against if I launch and nobody cares or nobody buys it or people buy it and then immediately ask for a refund. It'd be much safer for me to be in a position where like that happens, but oh, it's okay because I have this other thing that's this this promising iron in the fire. Um, does that resonate at all? Does that does that feel like... Uh, that, make, that makes me feel a lot better because... I mean, you've been doing, like, you already have, like, a successful business, and this is, like, I think your second business, the video clipper. Yeah, so that makes me feel better that someone much farther along than me has, like, similar emotions. Um, But, let's see. I think all of those things may happen with certain customers, right? Like, some customers would just come in and just be like, okay, I want a refund. This isn't a good fit for me. Like, some customers might just, like, ignore. But then, I think it's just about, like, iterating over time. Hmm. Am I, like, therapizing myself right now? through you <laughs> i think that's how therapy works that, right that's the game do you want to give us a little background on on what the like what it is you're working on just so we have yeah. context and then we can dig into the fears yeah um so i don't have like <laughs> it started last week i've had one user that i'm talking to and then a couple more 
and I've just been doing outreach. But essentially, the problem is, um, it's it's like kind of the bootstrapper problem. It's like the software is the easy part. What's the hard part is like finding the customers. So like the problem is simple. How do you find customers for a project that you're working on? And that's it, right? So like um, it turns out that a lot of people have this problem, not just bootstrappers, but also like salespeople uh, at like companies ranging from, I mean, they have teams that do this, right? SDR teams that just focus on outbounding and outreach. Uh, and I haven't, I haven't like narrowed down to a specific market segment that I'm confident. Um, I think that's just going to take a little bit of time. Uh, but there, I don't know. I mean, everyone has like this lead generation problem, lead qualification problem. Um, my product right now that I'm thinking about is how do you find specific windows of opportunity where um, you can make a sale? Um, how do I explain this? I mean, you guys know what windows of opportunity are, right? Uh, I can infer what it means based on the words you used. Let's say a competitor has an outage. So it's okay. like, like AWS went down. So that's a window of opportunity for salespeople from a competitor of AWS to jump into like AWS currents like AWS's current customers and just be like, I see there's an outage. Are you happy with AWS? And they're gonna mm. be like, hell no. Sorry, can I swear on this? Yeah, I think, oh, okay. Shai, can we swear on this? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, 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 we can. We can? Are you, are you sure? <laughs> <That's fine>. All right. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> so they'll be like, hell no. Like we're not happy. Obviously there's an outage. And if you're using AWS, you're probably some enterprise customer and like you, <laughs> it's costing you a lot of money. So yeah, a salesperson can jump in and they do this all the time. It's like, you happy with the, with AWS? They'll be like, nope. And they'll be like, all right, well, why don't you, uh, why don't we talk and see what we can do? And like, that would be a window of opportunity or like budget planning cycles or life events. Like I just got promoted, I just got a raise. Uh, we just hired a new um, like CFO or we just hired a new CTO. Maybe they're making to look, make some organizational changes, some process changes. And those are all like windows of opportunity that you can use to create some triggers. Uh, triggers being like just outbounding in this case. Okay, help me understand this because I only recently learned what a SDR was uh, on our last episode <laughs> so actually. Yeah, uh, uh, sales development representative. Sounds like that's that's the customer. That's the person who's benefiting from this. I don't know yet. Okay. I don't know yet for sure. Um, but I think right now I'm focusing more on account executives. Okay. Uh, their job is to handle the conversations between um, their business and the enterprise customers. Um, SDRs are the ones who do a lot of, I would say, like a lot of mass outreach. They're like um, the the sorcerers on the recruiting teams, where they just go on LinkedIn and they just spam the hell out of LinkedIn. Okay. Okay. So it uh, sounds like, you know, this is a, a area of focus that you only decided like a week ago. So it's not, not super well defined, but uh, you, you would like for this to go not the way that your last uh, half dozen side projects have gone. Uh, you, you would like for this relationship not to lead in a breakup, but to be in like a, a long-term thing. Um, yes. <laughs> can, I'm, I'm curious about the, the previous six startup breakups. <laughs> like what uh, are there, are there trends or patterns you noticed in, uh, why those break breakups happened? I think you mentioned that uh, not being able to find customers uh, has has been a big part of it. Is that is that sure. the the core reason? Um, yeah, I think. Why did they not work? It's hard to say why, right? But I mean, like, 
I mean, first principles of a business just paying customers, right? Had didn't either did not have any paying customers. I think the first few were definitely just like, hey, I just built this thing. Like I built this like um, employee directory on Slack, and I was like, all right, customers, come to me. Yep. <laughs> and they didn't. Yeah, that's how <laughs> it didn't. is. Yeah. Uh, the Indie Hackers Forum was right. They didn't. That didn't happen. <laughs> um, and then the, the last one, which I put a lot of time and effort into, was I, I taught a cohort-based course for product managers to get more technical. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought I had more of an advantage as an engineer uh, to teach technical concepts to people who are not technical. Uh, I think I was right about that, but what I was wrong about was the shape of what technical meant. Sorry, no, what technical meant is... Um, they just want like breadth, you know, and engineers are very good at explaining like depth of technical concepts and they don't care about that um, because they have a lot of meanings and a lot of other things to do. And um, I kind of knew that a cohort based course, um, which focuses on depth, like if you want to learn something in depth very quickly uh, in a short period of time, that's what a cohort based course is a good solution for. Uh, but the shape of the problem, the shape of the solution were just not compatible. Um, and I, I um I was in the uh, do you guys know Maven? It's kind of all over Twitter. It's like a startup right. called Maven. Okay, yeah, it's like a cohort-based course uh, marketplace, and they had like this program, and I was partnering with them to make it, uh, and I spent like a good amount of time on it. I think since September, uh, and I just ultimately decided to shut it down December. It just wasn't working. It was hard to get any kind of traction. It was hard to get people to talk to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember what at one point I was like, like class started at 10 a.m. And it was like 10.05 and there was no one showing up. And I was like, ah, that's painful. <laughs> um, but in the end, some people did show up. But yeah, that's definitely not what market pool feels like. Okay. It sounds like the, the, the commonality I'm noticing between these two projects is that you, you, were, you were looking for that market poll you you were looking for uh people to be expressing to you that you were offering something that that was valuable that they needed and you didn't feel like you were getting that yeah yeah uh definitely it was like someone i talked to had a good way of explaining this like you want to stand where people are already looking rather than just trying to get their attention Um, and i think with um like lead generation problems people are already looking for these solutions i mean there are a lot of a lot of big companies that are working on this and small companies too uh, maybe even some indie hackers too we'll see um and that's why yeah i try to take that lesson and you know where you know, companies always pay for growth and marketing uh i suppose it depends on the company in this down market but if i can find those companies i think i would have a better chance of getting paying customers Help me better understand the, the 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 pain that you'd like to solve with this new project. Uh, you, you talked about this this window of opportunity that in this moment where an AWS customer uh, notices that AWS has gone down, uh, that's a that's a good opportunity for their competitors to to be uh, swooping in. Um, it, it sounds like with this new project, that's the that's the pain that you'd like to address. Uh, the pain is just how does a business make money. Like, you need to find people to talk to. Um, so you need to find them. You need to qualify them. Yes. You need to make sure that they fit your qualifications. Then after that, you need to make them sign a contract. <laughs> um, so the problem that I'm specifically trying to solve is 
um, there are certain companies that have so much inbound interest uh, that they're, they're, the amount of people that they could talk to is too much for their team. So I'm trying to basically just go online and gather data and see if I can pre-qualify them before they have these conversations, which saves them a lot of time. Um, and I think it does make them a little bit of money too, or a lot bit of money, depending on the type of data that I'm able to gather. Okay, the, the core pain then is uh, for, for a business who would like to attract, attract uh, well-qualified leads, you, you'd like to uh, have, have a form of lead gen where you've gone through the work of pre-qualifying them. You can just feed a business like these are uh, uh, qualified people who are looking for a service like yours. And uh, maybe that's coming off of some window of opportunity event where uh, they've just been burned by uh, a, a business similar to yours and are, are looking for an alternative. Yeah, I just realized I'm not providing good enough context for this. Basically, it's just um, account executives have a metric where they just go, okay, um, our success metric is meetings booked. So that, like qualifying meetings booked. Okay. So I want to increase the amount of meetings booked for that week. Okay. Yeah, if that's one of their core metrics, that sounds like a... Yeah. Um, and... Uh, my hypothesis is that there's a lot of activity, like real-time activity going on online, where you can find specific windows of opportunity. Because you can either go in to someone's inbox when they don't care, and they're just like, you know, there's like a law in physics where like people, things that happen, that are in motion stay in motion. And so that there's no incentive for them to like change course. But windows of opportunity are, create such a friction that there is, there is a reason to change course. You know, either people are complaining online. Um, and so, like, my theory is that I can gather that data and I can book them more high-quality meetings. That makes sense? I think so. Let, let me repeat that back and see if I understand. Uh, account executives are a, a type of person who is uh, graded based on the number of uh, qualified conversations that they're having with leads. So if you have a product for them that's going to increase the total number of conversations that they can have with leads, that's something that they can directly see. Like, oh, you know, if, if I could have 20% more leads, I whatever, get paid 20% more or, or my boss is 20% happier with me or something. Um, so that, that's, that's the core pain that you're solving, getting account executives more uh, qualified conversations booked. Um, and one angle of being able to generate qualified leads is finding for account executives these windows of opportunity that i'm not sure how you'll do this but maybe you know if, if it's uh if it's an account executive for uh, a google cloud platform uh you could identify for them like okay so a, a window of opportunity for you would look like aws going down or uh whatever Linode going down uh that would be a great moment to uh uh book a, a conversation that would then be be generating more of these conversations for you exactly it, it's it's timing right that's the one thing like that's the that's the hard that's the part that's really hard is like it's timing like when do you know what's the right time to actually like reach out to someone mm -hmm. because that can make all the difference uh so yeah i think that i could do that i hope i can do that um and it's not this isn't really my idea like people are already doing this like the like account executives are already doing this uh, sgr teams are already doing this um i just want to know what they're doing so that i can automate it okay yeah, like none of what I said is like 
anything <laughs> like this is just from research that like talking to people um, sure. like this is their process like their success metrics like I think that's something that I learned is just like just let them tell me <laughs> tell me what to do right uh, rather than like I mean it's gonna be really hard to like sell someone who's like this is a new process we're using artificial intelligence you know? yeah yeah but like they they already have a process for it it's just really really manual yeah, th- this whole world is uh, new to me, so I'm, I'm asking a lot of questions that <laughs> people familiar with this world feel like he doesn't know what an SDR is. What's, what's going on? <laughs> okay, interesting. I I think uh, Shai, I'll let you jump in. Otherwise, I'm gonna I'm gonna branch off on a uh, slightly different topic. Okay, let's. I, I can I can tidy up on this on this little part. Um, yes, I just have a couple other questions. So, and I mean, I'm coming from the same place as Christian of like I don't know about this world, so. They might be basic questions, but I think they'll be helpful for us to understand the context. What? How do you know? How do you know that this problem exists? Who are these people that you've been able to speak with? Why do I know this problem exists? Because, yeah, that's a good question. Um, I know that the problem exists because I've had it myself. I know the problem exists because the people that I've talked to already have this problem and that they're trying to solve for it. Uh, and I know that people are already paying money for it. Like, and the people you've spoken to about it are they are they people? Is this like friends that you have who are account executives? Have you, or did you go out and speak to a few account executives that you didn't already know? Or you know, yeah. paint, paint the picture for me. What's what's your what's your interaction with this world? I just went on LinkedIn. And I went, hey, <laughs> learning about sales because I don't know anything about sales. Um, also, making a lead gen tool. Um, and I think that's literally my template. And then I just go, you know, do you have some time to chat about how sales is done at a rocket ship company like X? That's it. And then I've been able to have some conversations, not a ton. I mean, like, they never convert that well when you're just outbounding. Uh, but yeah, uh, some people responded and some people, like, talk to me and yeah okay how many like do you remember roughly how many you reached out to and how many responded how many you spoke to the conversion rate is actually pretty good uh probably so i think i reached out to like 12 people and like two responded wow okay. that's great that's pretty good right <laughs> you know how many people i reached out to for my cohort based course a lot that's, <laughs> and uh, none of them 17 percent <laughs> That's uh, just just cold reaching out to people on, on LinkedIn. Yeah, absolutely. The positioning has to be pretty good, though. And I think, um, yeah, it's, it's still tough, though. You know, it's kind of draining just, like, cold calling people. But, yeah, I feel like that's pretty good. Okay, so you had a couple conversations, and you found out a little bit more about how this world works of account executives and, and meeting their metrics of... Mm-hmm of uh conversations booked oh also uh here's another technique to learn a little bit more about industries uh like rather quickly just act like you're applying for a job Hmm. uh, specifically for like yc companies because they're usually the most like you know hardcore uh and then you just go and learn about their business (laughs) Hmm. so like if you want to learn about like growth and marketing there are probably like growth and marketing companies and i did this um and then just ask them like what was your positioning like how do you do these sales calls they'll be like you know they're happy to share i don't know if that's shady but like i mean 
we'll leave that as an exercise for the listener to decide. Yeah. <laughs> in these, uh, so so you reached out to, to a dozen people. Uh, two of them replied back, and you were able to have conversations with them. Uh, what what were those conversations like? You were you were asking them like, what are the biggest problems you have uh, in your role as uh, an account executive? Yeah. The, the, um, the conversations were scattered, like really scattered. Um, they just have like a lot of different. Um, they have like a lot of different problems, um, and it's it's kind of hard. Actually, that's something that I could use help on too. Is like, um, how do you get all? Of this, how do you take feedback and like hone in on a specific direction and like build a product around that? Uh, just something that I'm struggling with, but I mean, sales teams. What they said was, sales teams have two ways of kind of getting uh, leads. Is one is just these mass email like drip campaigns, right? They'll have like email lists, or they'll even buy email lists of like hundreds of thousands or like millions of people, and like you know they'll send they'll send these like massive drip campaigns out, and they will get ROI, but it will be insanely small. It'll be like maybe one percent like conversion hmm. and that doesn't even mean that they're going to get any contract signed that's just one per, like that's just conversion for meetings booked um, but it's worth it because like it's just an automated process just like you know a couple clips like clicks you already have a template out you know you can get that done in like 10 minutes um, and I think SDR teams mainly do that and the second way is they literally just go on LinkedIn sales navigator and they just go <laughs> they just do exactly what I'm doing <laughs> which is just like reaching out to people Okay, so so to Shai's question of like, how do you know this is a problem? It sounds like having more conversations is the core problem of what an account executive is doing. This is this is the bread and butter. This is how they're making money. This is how they're generating value for their company. This is the core metric to see how well they're being able to do their job. Um, so it's 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 very clear that this is a problem. I think I think what I have a fuzzier idea on right now is how you're going to help them with that problem. Is this are you offering them like a service that you're going to be a consultant for them and uh, pay attention to these windows of opportunity? Uh, is this going to be like an, an automated tool? Are you going to be automating steps that are steps that they're doing uh, uh, in their job of like going on LinkedIn and, and finding people? Um, have you have you clarified that, or, or like we still need to have more conversations? We still need to, to uh, uh, hone in on what the problems are so that's yeah that's the part i'm stuck at is i don't okay. know what the shape of the solution is going to be because i'm still learning about the problem and you know i, I my hypothesis is that any kind of lead generation tool is going to be a tool it's going to be some kind of SaaS tool specifically because qualification benefits from data and that's basically what software is, right? Just the manipulation of data. Sure. And so I think that it is conducive to some kind of SaaS solution, which was my goal in the first place. Like, I really like the SaaS business model. So that's mm -hmm. what I wanted to aim for. Um, but again, I, I don't know for sure. Um, but yeah, I, I, I do think that um, if I'm able, I don't know where the data is going to come from. I'm looking at Twitter. Like, I'm looking at um just like the internet and I'm looking at like competitors too and see if I can like leverage some of their services but mm. uh, to be honest that's still I'm still a little bit like tr just trying to solve for it I just know the shape of the problem sort of just trying to learn more of the specifics and 
just going to try to ship as fast as possible. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I think that's actually a really good positioning for uh, starting out on a new thing. Like the the classic mistake I see people making is they'll come up with an idea that they fall in love yep. with. It's, it's like a particular solution, and then you spend months working on the solution, and then yes. you launch and like nobody cares. So to start with to start with an audience and a problem that they have. It's a very wide problem. It's like the core problem of, of what this role is. But like, yeah, you, you want to help account executives uh, be more effective in, in having these qualified conversations. Um, I, I, I think merely having more conversations will help you hone in on what a particular intersection is of the, the problems that they're having and uh, the, the software that, that you're capable of making that wouldn't help them with that. And it, it might look nothing like a, a lead gen tool this might be like a you know a, a, i don't know a timer that helps them oh i've read about a, a, a very successful uh sales representative that had this uh paperclip method this is in uh robert cincelli's book i think uh and he has a, he has two bowls and one of them is full of paperclips and the other one's empty and at the beginning of the day he for every call he has he just takes a paperclip from one bowl and puts it in the other and his job for the day is just to, to move the paperclips from one to the other but he's got to like have that many conversations uh to, to be able to and you know this person became the most successful sales person in their company or, or some uh similar superlative um so you know the the in having these conversations if you're open to uh, off the wall angles like that. Maybe it's, you know, I don't know, a, a virtual <laughs> two paperclip bowl uh, app or something. Um, Why not a to-do list app? Sure, yeah, no, but for real, like the, no, the reason there exists so many to-do apps is that like that that's such a big problem that if you can have any sort of specificity on like, okay, if, if, you're, uh, if you're a miner, like you're going to have a very different uh, set of needs, not very different, but... Uh, you, a, a to-do app can cater to you in a very particular way that a to-do app custom built for an account executive uh, would not. A tailoring for an account executive to-do app would, would look very different. Um, so I, I, all of this to say, I, I think you're on the right track. Um, the Being open to uh, all of the sorts of pain that, that account executives uh, experience, I think, has the highest probability of leading you towards a, a product that you can make that'll uh, improve their lives. Thanks, thanks. Yeah, I appreciate that. Um, actually, we can talk a little bit more about um, just outbounding in general because it's something that, like, as just a developer, it really, and trying to not be more than just a developer is quite scary. Mm -hmm. Like, the first, one of the first conversations that converted into, or one of the first outreaches that converted into a conversation, I did with Drew, uh, who is the previous guest on this podcast for the mm -hmm. audience, so go check that out. Um, but we were just co-working, and then... Um, yeah, like this guy responded to me and uh, I was like, I don't know what to say. Like he was a sales engineer. Uh, so Drew is a sales engineer too. So Drew already has all of this expertise and intuition on how to talk to them mm -hmm. and how to like, how they speak and how to have conversations with them and what they know. I don't know any of that. And so I was like, I was just complaining to him like, Drew, what, what do I do? Um, and this whole time, like I think my anxiety and my stress levels were going up and up and up and up. Like mm. this was not like a difficult conversation. It was just like a, hey, I'm making this outbounding tool. He goes, cool. And I'm like, want to have a conversation? He's like, yeah. And I'm like, what's your email? <laughs> He's like, this. And I'm like, okay, that's it. Like that's literally it, right? But this whole time, I was just like starting to get like super nervous, and like my inner child was coming out. <laughs> Sure. Like and Drew was just like coaching me through. He's like, you know, it's really not that big of a deal. And I'm like, Drew, he said the word product. I don't have a product. <laughs> like, <what? laughs> 
what the hell do I say? <laughs> and he's like, say you just want to talk to him. And I was like, but what if he doesn't want to talk? <laughs> it was just like crazy stuff. Like I was going crazy. But um, I don't know. It's like, it's like, it is that, like, I don't have a lot of like things in my life at the moment that scare me to that level. Hmm. But like outreach is definitely one of those things that does that. Um, and then I think over time I'll get better at it. But I think, uh, you know, uh, developers don't like doing outreach, uh, and probably because it is really scary. <laughs> and uh, yeah, just you're not alone. You <laughs> feel like that? Yeah, it is. It's 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 a scary thing to do because you're putting yourself out there, and you might yeah. you, know, you might get rejected. If when you're when you're sitting and writing code, the code like you have control over it. It does exactly what you ask it to. It doesn't. It doesn't tell you you're a horrible person in any way <laughs> and and the fear is that you go out there to the real world to people and those things can happen i, I want to touch on you said you kind of you know you'll be out in that situation and you're like well what if they uh i can't remember the exact rhetorical question you were you were asking but you know what if they don't like it what if they the the hack i've figured out for those is to stop it being rhetorical and answer it so you know, like, like what, okay. what, what if they, like, what if I go to them and and they laugh at me for not having a product? Like, what would happen then? Well, I'd I'd feel I'd you know, I'd feel kind of small for a moment, and and I wouldn't have that sale, and then then I'd be fine. That like then I'd go and eat a bowl of cereal. Like, <laughs> <laughs> ever the, the the world won't end. Like when you you know when you play it through, you're like, oh no, that's it would feel unpleasant. And could I handle it? Could I cope with it? Yes, yes, I, I could. Um, and you know, at that point, it's, it's still that doesn't stop it being scary, but it reminds you that you can handle fear. <laughs> Wait, has that ever happened? Like you guys run internet businesses, have been doing this successfully for a while. Has that ever happened where someone was like, "Ha, you suck! You don't have a product," <laughs> or like, "This product sucks, you nerd"? Has that ever happened? I think the meanest thing, the meanest interaction I've ever had on the internet was someone who uh, emailed me. And <laughs> because of some, like, I hadn't replied to it to his previous email in the uh, respectable amount of time where uh, I, I think, oh, no, I think this was, I think this was a free customer that uh, I had emailed and let him know, like, hey, the, the freemium tier is going away. Uh, you're going to have to pay for this now. Uh, and he told me to... Uh, in a different language, he told me to walk in a forest, and I googled it, and I think that means he was saying I should kill myself for the, the audacity I had to like charge him money. Uh, and that hurt my feelings, <laughs> but that's that's uh, unusual. Like the second worst thing that ever happened was just like someone said, "Hey, this sucks that you took so long to answer this email," and I was like, "Yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. I did a bad job." And they were like, "Oh, it's okay." To walk in a forest? I mean, at least yeah. you learned some new jargon. Was that in... Wait, what language was that? I want to say, like, Bulgarian? It, it was It was a tricky one to Google Translate. I, think <laughs> I, I had to do, like, auto-detect what it was. I'm also not sure that that's what he was saying. He may have just said, like, ah, you should go for a walk. Like, <laughs> um, <laughs> it takes some time, man. Take yeah. care of yourself. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, but usually, you know, the, the simulation of people uh, in my head is, is much more vicious and cruel than... Uh, how they actually are yeah it always is right i mean fear kind of creates this like what is it it just like amplifies all like the negative thoughts 
mm. in a very very short span of time it's like this like exponential curve that's like as the as a thing that you're scared of as it gets closer and closer and closer it's just like holy shit holy shit holy shit, holy shit. Mm. <laughs> um well that's not too bad i guess yeah i mean no one's ever no one has ever i mean i've been rejected plenty of times like outbounding but like no one has ever said anything super mean mm. like someone said hey Hide, no thank you and that's stuck in my head for a while it's crazy right this is nuts like this is no thank you that's actually really nice (laughs) and i'm like this in the film adaptation of your life i can imagine like a a 10 minute montage after that of you like like, depressed and close your windows like no thank you (laughs) uh that's funny they used my name. They said thank you. Was exclamation point is a nice message. Yeah. And like, this is yeah so, so talk to me about that. It, it sounds like you're you're feeling some really intense feelings around rejection, which is uh, something I can relate to. That's that's something I only recently impacted in uh, couples therapy. Um, I think I, I used to have this narrative that like I was uh, impervious to any sort of negative criticism, and I would ask people like, ah, oh, you can you can just give it to me straight because I don't care. It's fine. Uh, and then these mysterious things would happen to me in my life. Like I would just not answer customer support emails for like six months and I didn't know why. And I had this complicated narrative of why I was doing it and why I had much, much more important things to do. But something I've recently unpacked is like, mm-hmm. I am very negatively impacted emotionally by negative uh, uh, criticism. So sure. having an interaction, like someone saying, no thank you when i uh email them and say you know you, you can either stop using this or you can uh start paying me a little bit of money uh would really get to me and then that would cause ripples for the next several days and then it would compound and then customer supporting me will become this big scary uh nebulous monster of, of negative feedback that i wasn't aware of I, I couldn't put my finger on like why i was feeling those negative feelings so uh, i i commend you for being aware of that that like yeah, uh, I think I think being aware of those feelings and being able to draw that narrative of uh, that that you felt that way uh, when having those sorts of interactions that's that's fantastic progress. Like you're you're in a position now where you're aware of the problem, you're able to put your finger on it. How how does that feel looking forward? It, it sounds like it sounds like what you may have identified as next steps for for growing this new venture is having more of those sorts of conversations, uh, which also feel very scary to you. That like hopping on the phone with a uh oh my gosh account executive <laughs> hopping on the phone with an account executive uh, that you meet through linkedin sales mm-hmm. sales representative salesperson <laughs> salesperson okay so so how how do you feel in this moment about uh going on linkedin messaging another 20 salespeople uh and and having a conversation with them what, what does that feel like it's just in the, in the i feel okay about it it's still kind of scary because i haven't done it that much um but uh, at the end of the day, they're just people like you and me. Hmm. They're just trying to do their job. And like, I, I do have an understanding of what motivates them, which is just they get compensated maybe 10 to 15% per contract that they pull in for new business. So if I'm aligned on what their needs are in that case, then it's probably okay. Like, you know, they want to make money. I want to make money. You want to make money, right? So like, um, you know, they're just normal people. I mean, it, it's hard because on LinkedIn, I kind of get like social proofed. Because, like, they're like, I work at Google as an account executive, and I've been doing this for eight years. And then in my head, I'll just create this narrative of, like, oh, my God, this person is, like, incredible. <laughs> like, who am I? Just this lowly software engineer that's just, like, reaching out to them saying that I can solve all of their problems, which is not true. I can't solve all of their problems. But, like, um, yeah, but they're just normal people, really. I mean, just work at these giant companies. Um, but you know, just trying to have you know, some connection with this normal person uh, and see what the problems are. And, yeah. 
Do, do you feel like there's an expectation when you get on a call like that that that, oh. that you will solve all their problems? Hmm. Well, I definitely have some people-pleasing qualities. Uh, which Shame, uh, yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of us do. <laughs> um, but I, the way that I think about it is, like, do you want someone that's nice to you or do you want someone that gets the job done? Uh, for, for their, from their perspective. And, like, they just want someone that gets the job done, right? Like, if I'm successful in making them more money in this very specific area, mm-hmm. then they'll pay me money. And, like, that's all the validation that I'm looking for. Um, that's all the validation I need to focus on at the moment. Um, but it is kind of difficult because I am, like, um, personally, I'm a very, like, emotional person. And so what I notice is, like, I just kind of have to accept that the way that I do business is that, like, I want to have some kind of personal connection with this person. Hmm. So I know some people are, like, pretty objective and just, like, you know, it's, like, very transactional. And, you know, that can be nice, <laughs> but that's just not me. So, um, there are, you know, there will always, always be these, like, uh, I think these other emotions that come with it. It's, like, fear of rejection or mm-hmm. uh, maybe the way that I, I have some need for emotional validation um from this person uh which is my problem and not theirs yeah yeah. it's also interesting but i I want you guys opinion on this but i have this theory that i told drew that like people that want to do software businesses tend to be like very needy people very needy people yeah what what do you mean by that what is okay so like we're, we're all people that are like you know we want more than just like, you know, we, we could go get a good job at Google, maybe like two or 300K a year, you know, white picket fence, and just have a very comfortable life. Or like, fuck that shit. I want more. I want much more than that. It's like, like that's a very comfortable life, right? But like, that's not good enough for us. So that's why I think like, you know, I think, what do you guys think? I definitely think the, the community of developers who are not, going and getting a, a stable job with those skills but instead of doing indie hacking or something along those lines there's there'll be a tendency in their personality for more their personality will skew to one that that enjoys exploring unknowns and figuring things out on a bigger scale than than you might be able to do if you're if you're doing a regular salary job where there are still unknowns in the work that you're doing but there are more knowns in the structure of your day perhaps or you know those kind of things so and i think it's an interesting we end up in an interesting niche of people where very often the skills that you need to be a software developer are the ones that line up with wanting your it's very it's very logical it's very analytical and often that ties in and lines up with someone who wants to go and work a nine-to-five and and whatever else but not always there is a minority of developers who have more of a need for uncertainty creativity those kind of things is it whether that ties in with neediness um first i'd want you to define neediness neediness i guess neediness is like it's a tough one like like competitive people are very needy people right i don't know are they oh yeah 
I'm, I'm learning I'm learning your definition of, of needy right now so if... like like for, like for example like like you ever you ever like are doing something I mean you guys probably experienced this on like Twitter right you're like hey I made like 10 20 30k MRR a month and then someone just hops on Twitter and just goes hey man fuck you <laughs> like that's pretty needy right from that person the person who says fuck you yeah okay Okay. I'm not, I, I don't know how to define it, but I'm trying to define it right now. Yeah, I, I think I would. I think I would say that that person uh, was experiencing uh, uh, a, a hurt ego that they they were uh, seeing someone else's success as uh, a criticism of their own worth. Maybe maybe they they weren't totally centered in uh, understanding that like they were valuable and lovable as a person, even if they didn't have the insecure success I'd maybe insecure, that, yeah, that's a good word let's skip that one yeah hmm insecure does that people. correlate with people who take indie hacker jobs or, to start, or work as indie hackers I, I, what I, I, okay. I don't, I, do you guys I, identify I, indie hackers this is this is a super interesting conversation and I do want to refocus us to solving Hide's problems getting them uh, getting I'm them sorry yeah, I, I mean but but neediness I think is one of my problems <laughs> okay. So what? Okay, how, let's talk about that. Yeah, I think. However, I would define it as like. So I've had a lot of jobs. I've only been a software engineer for like four years now. I've okay. had four or five different jobs, if we count consulting too. Um, but I've had a few full-time jobs. I remember um, they were like pretty decent. Like I worked at Indeed before this. I worked at Instacart before after that, uh, and you know I worked with some like pretty smart people and. Um, some of them I really liked. Uh, and I remember thinking just like, I don't know, I would ask like in, in the first shot, I would be like, is this like what you want? Because like, I didn't know if that's what I wanted. Um, and I remember going like, why can't I just be happy with this? Hmm. Like, why do I want more? Like, like if I, if I like, you know, did the work, not even work really hard, but just like did the work, I could have been, I could have made like a decent amount of money. Mm-hmm. A pretty comfortable life. Uh, I was just like, yeah, it's like, I guess I just want more. Um, and I think that is pretty needy, but not needy for like uncertainty and instability. Although those are things that I like, you know, I enjoy, but more just like this. Um, do you guys know what Scarf is? I don't. Nope. Okay, so like uh, the way that I think about it is like um, scarf is scarf is like a status, certainty, autonomy, relatedness, or fairness. And it's just a framework that you use. Like some people are more skewed towards some things versus the other. So like people who start internet businesses are probably skewed more towards like autonomy. Um, people who like like stable jobs and stuff like that probably care more about certainty, maybe about status, stuff like that. Um, and the point is like these are things like. Those five things are generally what motivate people at the core. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, where am I going with this? Essentially, it's like this intense neediness in within myself to want probably, probably independence, freedom, and power, <laughs> um, in a sense. Uh, just a lot more than what, like, a pretty decent career could give me. Sure. 
I would encourage you to move away from the framing of that as neediness. It, it sounds to me like you're expressing that you, you have needs, and that's okay. Everyone has needs, and you you feel like some of those needs aren't being met, and it sounds like that was part of the motivation uh, for, for uh, switching careers in the, the way that you did. Um, and I think it would be an interesting question to dive into of like... Uh, are are the needs that you would like to address by having this this more ambitious higher risk career path uh are are those needs that are serving you or are those needs that uh if fulfilled would make you a happier healthier person uh or is it perhaps a need that uh is uh uh an attraction of deprivation is the way that a, a dating book shine i read would uh would frame it uh that it's it's a thing that you're attracted to in the same way that like you know sugar is attractive but but that's not healthy for you uh in the long term um how how do you currently frame that what why why work on this at all it sounds like you you have a good job uh what why do you feel like you you uh, need more than that what what need do you feel like is not being met there's a lot to it i think um so maybe maybe to simplify it like what would happen if you never did anything in software? What if what if you merely had the job that you have uh, and had the white picket fence and and continued doing that? Why why would that be a bad uh, or or undesirable reality? Why would that be an undesirable reality? Hmm. That's a good question. Why would that be an undesirable reality? Because uh, I know what happens. Does that feel boring? Like, yeah, it's boring. Like, I know what that looks like. You know, I, I just talked to a lot of these people. They were like 10, 20 years down the line. And I realized I was like, holy shit, this path is like really set in stone. Okay. Like you could, you know, your software, junior software engineer for two years, mid-level for two, three years, four years, depending on where the company is and senior. And then after that, you're IC manager. Then you talk about stocks during lunchtime or you talk about crypto or talk about the news and hmm. is anyone else falling asleep yeah the, the way you're describing it it sounds like you you would have died <laughs> in your 30s like uh it, it sounds like you want to continue growing that 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 feels too safe for you um i think i think something that i've unpacked for myself is in my life i need some balance of stability and some balance of creativity I, I want uh one foot in order and one foot in chaos uh, i'd like i'd like a solid backbone of like you know my i have my habits and routines and a, a stable amount of income that i know that i can live off of and at the same time i want to i want to be taking my uh discretionary time and using that to, to be making riskier bets and you know doing stuff like going rock climbing and uh uh yeah, need, needing some of that excitement. Um, that excitement doesn't necessarily have to come from career. That could come from a, a dangerous hobby that you have or something, or uh, just, you know, raising a family, rock raising kids. Without the rope. Sure. Sorry. <laughs> oh gosh, without the, don't do that. <laughs> be, I'm too stable right now. I'm just gonna go climb a mountain without. <laughs> right. Um, is is working on a project like this? You know, making making software to to help salespeople. Um, uh, do, is that is that is that satisfying this core need for uh uh creative exploration is is that the the reason behind uh doing something like this okay so one i don't think there's that much creativity to it especially if other people are just telling me what to build 
Um, Definitely this need for growth in um, in ways that I don't that are not mapped out, right? Like having sales conversations is really tough for me. And I, and I, I like that. It's scary. I mm. like that. Um, I think that is, you know, we, we cover a lot of topic of fear on this podcast. And like fear is essentially just like how you grow. Yeah. It's how you empower yourself. You know, I think Kobe has a really good um, clip about this, but he just says like, you know, when you're doing something scary, there's no point in saying that it's not scary because it is, but you mm. just have to embrace it. It's hold it tight. And then boom, now what are you going to do, right? Um, and that's just, you know, how you empower yourself. It's like, if you do something scary for like two or three times, it's not going to be scary. It's just going to be boring. Uh, and I think that is why I'm attracted to like building software businesses, especially because like there's so many challenges and so many things that scare you. Uh, and yeah, it's nice. It's, you know, like it led me to talking to you too, which... You guys are internet entrepreneurs and like we would have never met and like if i just worked a stable job sure so like things like yeah that. I, I th- okay in in that framing i think that's admirable um you're you're pursuing this because it, it feels scary and, it, and it's growth it's uh something that you you find interesting that that you'd like to get good at you'd, you'd like to start doing a, a task that feels difficult and, and uh, hard and then eventually gain mastery of it. Yeah, that's that's uh, what growth looks like as a human. And I, I like that framing so much better than uh, that you're needy. Like, because <laughs> that's, uh, you know, in the in the framing that we landed on, that, that feels like the hero's journey. That feels like you're going out, venturing into the wild. You know, you, you're in your village and, you know, you, you make money and you use that to, to buy a sword. And then you're going to go out and venture and, like, try to kill some dragons. Like, that's uh that's inspiring um i actually have some swords i hang them up on my wall there you go maybe that'll be useful in one of your onboarding calls yeah (laughs) um but i also think that it's kind of a trap in business uh if i'm constantly just doing things that are scary like sometimes you just have to do what works okay or at at least in bootstrapping like most of the time you just have to do what works like you just have to solve problems that are boring that you know that people are going to be paying a lot of money for because they've always paid a lot of money for it and there's no point in trying to be like, okay, how do I use ChatGPT to like make the next social media uh, Web3 company? Which someone out there is probably going, damn it, how did he know what my idea was? <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think Christian touched on something, a couple of important things there. Uh, about Firstly, about keeping one foot in order and one foot in chaos. That, yeah. You know, it is, it is definitely possible and easy if we're not careful to fall too far one way or the other yeah. and then bad things can happen or yeah, things can become challenging um, and there are times when we're building something we have a certain amount of control over how far we lean one way or the other but sometimes that is also out of our control and so it's about recognizing like, if you're if you're doing some, if you're bootstrapping a, a SaaS business and there's a period of time where it's moving too far into order, let's say you have, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a period of time where it's just it's quite monotonous. You know, you, you you know that the best way to grow the business is to have a lot of these calls that you don't love having, but but you think it's going to get you far, and you find them kind of boring. Is to recognise that that has shifted you in that direction. And then Christian touched on this earlier. You, it doesn't have to be your work that pulls you back the other way. You mm-hmm. could, you know, I've had periods where I've said, you know what, the next few weeks the business is going to be boring, 
And so I am putting non-negotiable time in my calendar to learn how to wakeboard. Like that was my, that was a couple months back. That's pretty cool. And like I need, I knew I would need that. And it, like it, it helped tremendously to just have this new thing that I had no idea what I was doing. And that would satisfy my need for creative exploration or for, for learning or whatever else we might label that need as whilst the business went through a few weeks that I knew would be a little bit monotonous. Wait, what happened in that business where it was like super boring? Oh, it was just a lot of similar kinds of calls. And then look, there was there was some there was some variance to them. There were some interesting things. It was it was it was working with people and that's always there are always uh, exciting things that happen when you're meeting new people, but I wasn't able to meet them in a context where I could really get to know them. It was it was just quite a monotonous series of of calls. Right. Yeah. Salespeople say that they, they always have their own styles. Like some people like want like some kind of connection, like a personal touch. Um, some people don't. Um, yeah, it, it definitely depends on your style. But is that draining to like have to talk to people? But like, you know, it's just kind of being like, a, you know, I get your requirements. I fulfill your requirements. You pay me. <laughs> I think it depends on the person. For some people, that's that feels quite draining. And for some people, it it's it, i know people who would love nothing more than to do that all day mm-hmm. so i think it's about understanding yourself your own needs your own personality and finding things to fill your life that that line up with that i've been running fileinbox.com for something like uh eight and a half years now and i had a customer call just four days ago where it was someone who had this problem where they needed a form to be able to onboard new clients into their business. And I, I can help, I can fix that for them. And like, I've been doing this for eight and a half years, right? But that's still so satisfying of, and it, it's, it's, uh, it, it can be uh, road and mundane. And uh, I, I, I was able to find interestingness in it by uh, adding some, some new form fields that they needed that uh, it was like this fun technical challenge, but like the, at its core, I, I I feel like helping people never gets old. I, uh, you know, even even if I've been solving the same problem in people's lives over and over, like for that person, they still have that problem, and I can still solve it for them, and that that consistently feels rewarding. Um, I I'd love to start wrapping up. Um, you, you identified two things that you feel like are holding you back at the beginning of this call: uh, uh, fear of commitment and feeling like uh, that you didn't have enough time or, or uh, structured routine to be able to to work on this. Um, Part of time that I've noticed in myself is that uh, if if it's if, if I don't know what the next step is, or if I know what the next step is, and I have some base level fear of it, some uh, part of my inner child is is uh, throwing a fit that he he doesn't want to do the task. I I notice that I interpret that as like, oh, I don't have time. I'm just so busy because I've been playing these games of like just constantly pushing stuff forward. Um, but I, I'm I'm curious in this moment how you currently feel about this this fear of commitment and this and this uh lack of time uh so do do you feel like what also also like yeah what you feel like the next step is so i think the fear of commitment and lack of time kind of go hand in hand because i'm scared of being fully committed to something i'm scared of making a plan that i want to stick to um the way that i think about the fear of commitment and the fix that i currently have is um 
I'm gonna go off on a tangent, but I'll come back. <laughs> I promise. Um, so you guys know Paul Graham, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so like he's like super opinionated, and then sometimes he'll make really controversial statements on the internet, and then people like flock to him, or people get turned off, and then seemingly the next month he'll make a completely like it's the opposite, <laughs> literally takes the opposite stance, hmm. and people will be like, "Hey, dude, what happened?" <laughs> and he'll just be like, "Let's have a different opinion now." Yeah. Um, I thought that was super weird, but like, I talked to someone recently who was really close with Paul, at least in the early days of YC, and he said that Paul just knows, knows that like, people are really fickle like that. Like, you might just obsess over something, you might just get into a long relationships and think this, this is the right person, or this is the right product, or the right business, or the right job, and then like, for f- reasons that we are just human, we just sometimes change our opinion. Like, even if we're just like full on committed to this one business idea. Um, so I think one thing is just accepting that that's just how it's going to be. Hmm. Like, I mean, obviously, I think I'm right <laughs> right now. Right? I'm not saying I am right. Reality and like time, like time will tell. But like, obviously, I think I'm right. And I just have to like commit to that and be OK with being wrong um, and pay attention to the signals. Um, but yeah, that's how I think about it. Presumably there there will come a moment working on this project where you feel like it's a waste of time and you feel like, ah, what was I thinking helping salespeople? I hate salespeople. <laughs> this isn't a big problem for them at all. Mm-hmm. Um, having gone through six product breakups, I could see there being some benefit to tying yourself to the mast a little bit of like, you know, in this moment, it's going to, it's going to feel difficult. And this is how I'm going to process those feelings. And this is how I'll, I'll be able to decide if you know, this is, this is truly a reason to, uh, to jump ship and, and try something else. Um, what, what feels to you right now, like, like a legitimate reason to, to stop working on this project? To stop working on it. Mm-hmm. I don't have a reason <laughs> to stop working on it. So there's no reason you would ever just stop working on it. You're, you're going to doggedly keep pursuing this no matter what. good framework maybe you can help me out on that like i don't like when to stop that's basically like saying like how do you know when to stop dating someone yeah is it enough like because like no one i don't know like if i was the type of person to like start a project going i'm gonna stop when this happens i probably wouldn't be the type of person to start the project in the first place i say that yeah i think um i know i think that i'm right Okay. <laughs> like, honestly, <laughs> like, uh, um, I realize that the probability that I'm right is extremely low. Sure. Is is there a is there a maybe a time bound that we can say like you're gonna you're gonna push through and uh, keep having calls with people for the next three months, and mm-hmm. uh, when the thought comes to mind of like oh maybe I shouldn't be working on this maybe there's something else to be working on, uh, you you just table that for. The, the date that you have set in your calendar three months from now when you're when you're going to think about it um that the core thing i'm i'm curious about uh safeguarding against is is uh jumping ship again when something uh emotionally impactful happens when when you have a sales call and someone ends up with saying no thank you like that's going to feel really bad we know that that's okay um uh, but but being able to being able to know that like uh you you won't let that feeling push you off until some predefined date or or until you've been able to to take a step back and and really evaluate like is this is this a valid reason to to stop working on it 
Yeah, good question. Um, so I think what you were saying is, did, what if I have an emotional reaction that makes me want to stop? Um, well, I don't have emotional reasons to start this project in the first place. I think okay. I analyzed it pretty well, or pretty. I think I analyzed it, and I have, I have like, I have specific reasons, like objective reasons, why I think this is a good idea and a good fit for me. Uh, one, I can learn sales by learning from sales experts and build tools um, that help them do their job better. Um, this is a problem that people already pay money for. Uh, I think the thing that would block, like the thing that blocks developers from doing like sales or marketing tools is that it's just really scary to talk to these people. Uh, and it is, <laughs> uh, but that's fine. Um, I think that any solution is conducive to some kind of SaaS solution. Uh, what else? I don't know. Like I just had a lot of, you know, now, and now I'm just collecting data. Uh, with conversations, uh, in terms of if I have an emotional, I don't know, <laughs> like, like maybe I find out, like maybe, maybe I pick a specific market segment. That's like, that was like really, really mean to me <laughs> in, in, in that case, like I probably should pick another market segment. <laughs> sure. Yeah. But uh, we'll, we'll see. Like I, I probably wouldn't stop just because I have like an emotional reaction or some. I'll probably just like, you know, change, maybe change some direction if it's like a really bad emotional reaction, but like. Okay. So what needs to happen next? What needs to happen next? I need to start making money. <laughs> okay. And what needs to happen t to get there? I need to talk to enough people and solve the problem in such a way that compels them to give me money. Okay. How many people do you think are you actually, you kind of asked this earlier. We didn't, we, we didn't circle back to it. Uh, how many people do you have a sense you might need to speak with? I don't think I need to speak to that many people, uh, which might be wrong. Uh, but I think if I speak to like 10 people, and really have in-depth quality conversations with them. Um, and not just in-depth quality conversations, but also have like a decent relationship with them. Mm -hmm. I think that'll be enough to start, um, not to start, but like to have a product that maybe fulfills their needs. Uh, and I don't know for sure. It does, I guess it does depend on the problem. It does depend on the audience, but if I niche down properly, then I think 10 might be enough. What do you guys think? I, I think it's very hard to put a number on it. Mm -hmm. I think, but I think there are certain things you can be looking for as you have the conversations, which what is, is so one nice rule of thumb that I can't remember where I first heard it, but is to keep having calls until you have five calls in a row where you don't learn anything new. Five calls. Or like set up some heuristic like that where because and uh, yeah i think i think towards the beginning of the call you asked about how do you how do you figure out like from these calls how do you figure out what the product is and i think wait after after a few calls you might get lucky and they all have exactly the same problem and you can see a clear solution but typically two three calls in they all seem totally unrelated and 
as you have more calls, it starts to become this like pattern matching exercise. And for some people who are like high in intuition, that pattern matching will start to feel incredibly obvious. Like several calls in, you'll just start to glow with the solution on its own. Some people have to be much more systematic with it and you need to like, they prefer to make detailed notes and then pick out the threads that match. But after a while, it's about that pattern matching to, to keep going until you start to see the same thing several times then just keep and then going. you can yeah and then you can hone in from there and you might i mean that's why that's why niching is helpful because the more similar the people you speak with are the more quickly you're gonna hit upon repeated patterns of yeah. what problems they're facing um Oh, wait. Also, Christian, I just had an answer to your question, which is what will compel you to stop? Like, what, what do you have to see in order for me to go like, okay, this is done is I would have to see that it wouldn't make a good business. Okay. What's, what's that going to look like? What, like you, you, uh, you, you write down on a piece of paper, like this is how much this offering would cost. And this is how much I could make from it. And, Mm. uh, it it can't be profitable in, in what sorts of situations. Workbook. That's that's the framework I'm using right now. Okay. Um, but essentially, it's what you were saying is like, okay, I'm not making enough profit on this. It's costing too much, or um, there's no defensible way for me to do this. I'm one person. Okay. And I kind of want to keep it that way. If you so spoke yeah. with, if you spoke with eight people, and after those eight, you just you couldn't see any repeated patterns. They kind of they all vaguely spoke about approximate problems they had but they kind of were pretty happy with their jobs and they couldn't really see anywhere you like would you give up at that point or would that mean you need more data i mean more data is always good um i wouldn't give up i would actually build something and see if they would pay for it before i would give up on it um but that would just mean that like maybe the people i'm talking to aren't they aren't the right fit or i need to pick a different market segment what would you build if after eight people you had, you know, six, six more sort of scattered conversations that were all sort of saying the same thing of like, oh yeah, it'd be nice to get more leads because that's the that's the main thing I'm trying to optimize for. What do you? If they were scattered, if they were scattered conversations, I would feel compelled to go talk to more people, okay. or I would read, I would have another conversation with the same people and just be like, uh, where are we going wrong here? If it's scattered, I'm not doing my job, right? Um, maybe so. And that might end up being the game. It might be that the first few calls, you're not really gathering any data so much as you're perfecting your skill of asking the right questions. Exactly. You know, it's it's a never-ending game of growth. On the topic of having scattered conversations, I made a note to come back to this. Have you read either The Mom Test or Deploy Empathy? Both. Both. Okay. That's, That's the solution i was going to give you for not having scattered conversations and uh, follow that thank you okay. <laughs> um yeah but uh it, it, it's different doing it in real time than reading a book for yeah sure. for sure so i think uh, you know i'm still working on those skills i mean that could be exactly what it is why the conversation is so scattered because i'm bad at this <laughs> so i need to get good at this is the right solution right right and i think you do that just by having more of those conversations yeah um and yeah. niching down cool i think you're on the right track um in particular i I really like that you haven't jumped to a solution yet you haven't 
started coding something that, you know, based on the first conversation you had, you were like, oh yeah, of course people, people need this and I'm just going to build it. And then, you know, pop out six months later with the thing and everyone's going to want to buy it. Um, you are very focused on like having more conversations, really understanding the problem, really understanding the people. You have a method of lead gen already, uh, that is able to convert at, what did we say? 17% that you can get people on a call. Like that's a big deal, uh, to, to, to have an, an engine like that. Like that's a, that's a significant part of any sort of business involving this sort of person. Um, so I, problem. It, so, that's the important part. I've done LinkedIn cold calling for like all my ideas. Mm-hmm. Like I, I cold called a hundred dentists once. Wow. Like a couple years ago, nothing. Zero. <laughs> Cause I just, the messaging was bad. The positioning was bad and they didn't, they didn't have that problem. Yeah. So it is like, the that's how you, that's how you learn how to change those for this time. Right. It's probably how you were able to get that high of a of a conversion rate. Yeah, you you learned. Oh uh, no, I don't know about that. I think you just got lucky on those. <laughs> we'll see. I mean, we'll see. We're, we're on a small sample size, so we'll see. Yeah, exactly. As as you reach out to more, you may find that it's less. You may find out it's more. Um, I'm excited to find out. Yeah, I'll let you guys but know. I think, like. I, I think from any, I, I, I like that Christian asked about like what the stopping criteria are because. I think for any, from any given position, any given situation that you're in, you could make a case for saying, and therefore I should give up now. And you could make a case for saying, and therefore I should continue for longer. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, whether, you, whether you stay committed or whether you give up has very little to do with the actual specifics of the, you know, the, the, the scenario that you're in. Mm-hmm. And so it is important to be able to figure out like what in order to be able to answer the question of whether you continue or whether you give up you have to also bring in your own values system and your own whether your needs are being met and your own goals bigger picture and wait actually it's useful to think about wait i'm sorry i know we're a bit over time but can i ask you that question yeah what's the question i know you're like killing it with your sass uh i stopped you on twitter a little bit before this um (laughs) When would you give up? It depends. I mean, it depends on the. Firstly, thank you for describing my situation as killing it. It has it's uh, it has some things I'm very proud of. It has a lot of things I yeah. am working to improve. I I would I would want to look at exiting a business if. I'd need to have a sense that it's not fulfilling my needs and I need to have that feeling for a while. And that's one thing I've learned is that these things can go in ups and downs. Um, so, you know, a few weeks of feeling frustrated that, that the business isn't fun would not be sufficient stopping criteria. Sure. Um, if there was a sustained period of time where yeah. it, where it wasn't working out in terms of it also it depends which business we're talking about. I have I have one that's like been going for longer and is a bit more established and has higher MRR, and I have another one that's a bit more on the side. So, and then there's things like this podcast, for example. You know, there are there are a few projects going on, mm-hmm. but the general answer is there would need to be a sustained period of time uh, where 
it wasn't feeling fulfilling. I'd identified what it wasn't fulfilling in me and I'd worked to try to, to see if there are changes that I could make to resolve that. Yeah. And if after trying several of those over a sustained period of time, it still wasn't fulfilling my needs, then I would look to exit. Okay. So basically, <laughs> you don't have a stopping criteria. Like, not really. Not like, like a specific well thought out one, right? Because you know, like, it's not, I'd, yeah. right, correct. Not, there's not a, there's not like a, it needs to get to this amount of money after this amount of time, otherwise I'm out. This, uh, I yeah. don't particularly have that. It's more about, do I feel like I'm personally growing from this? amongst the things that I value that make me feel fulfilled, is this allowing those to happen? Yeah, I think it's important to just be optimistic, especially when you're doing something. Just like, you know, why would you think about stopping it, you know? If you're like if you're constantly thinking about stopping it, then maybe you should, but like It it's more for the other way around. It's I think like especially early days, I've definitely got to points in businesses where it's like I've had you know, you have a run of a few days where no one has bought or you've had a few research calls when no one's been interested or whatever it is but you know you start to see this pattern of no one cares about this and for me that's one of the things that i take personally is you know like nothing seems to be happening no one likes this and therefore no one likes me like that's the implication right and so it, it, the stopping criteria question is most helpful for me in terms of in those situations it's like when i'm tempted to give up is to then look at you know, to take a step back and look at does this actually meet any real stopping criteria or is this an emotional reaction where i'm trying to i'm trying to run away from the the unpleasant feelings around what's been happening in the business over the last week let's say i just think that like if you're gonna stop a business it's just gonna be really hard no matter what and like you just have to be okay with that feeling when you start it <laughs> Like, like, it's the same thing in, like, a relationship. Like, you know, like, if you're going to break up, and there's a possibility you're always going to break up, right? Like, it's going to be hard. Yeah. <laughs> Just keep it nice and simple, right? It can be. I think the, the criteria that uh, that Shai said of, of when he would exit his business, uh, I was thinking through, like, mm -hmm. if, if I were in a situation with either File Inbox or the Radio Clipper where... Mm -hmm. I felt like my needs weren't getting met and, and weren't getting met for a, a long amount of time. Um, I think exiting would feel easy because it would be, you know, a, a, it, it would have felt unfulfilling for so long uh, that that ending it would feel like a, would feel relieving. It would feel like a, like a weight lifted off of me. I would have more freedom to be able to, to find other avenues to be getting those needs met. I don't know. Like I've met people that- There could still be stuff tied into that though, right? There's- it's, and I think you could say the same about a personal relationship as well. Like a, you know, there could be a sure. romantic relationship where it's not fulfilling your needs, and you get come to the conclusion that you need to end the relationship. That, but it might not be easy to do. You might still, and yes, it might feel relieving afterwards, but it might also feel incredibly difficult. To, you know, there's still, there's still attachment. There's still uh, stuff tied into it potentially. Yeah, attachment is going to be difficult. Like I've met people that like I've talked to people that are exited for a lot like their companies for a lot of money but they wanted to exit for some time and you might think that's a home run but they're depressed hmm. it's, it's like i think it's just a very human thing like this the, the same attachment that compels us to work on this thing for so long is also the attachment that we have to 
like we suffer from if we end it right yeah the, i'd love to have the, dug more into into your other projects because mm. it feels like there's there there may still be some uh unresolved feelings about uh closing down the the cohort based course maybe <laughs> it's probably yeah <laughs> but uh we i'm sorry i took 15 minutes let's so. <laughs> see we're, we're still figuring out the time constraints for these calls it's okay. it's a very hard one to balance because realistically you could you could ease you you could go on for hours like digging into yes. all this good stuff so we're trying to figure out how to balance that with a succinct podcast episode as well i'd love to attempt to bring us home uh Hide, you said yeah. in the onboarding questionnaire uh in response to the question what are you hoping to get from this call what would make the call a huge success uh you wanted to know how you can accelerate to the next point uh among other things uh do, do you feel like that got clarified what 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 do you think needs to be done next to accelerate to uh get towards making money from this business Hmm. Essentially, it's the zero to one problem, right? Which no one really ever has a clear answer for. But um, I think that there, what became kind of clear to me is that there's, although I had a very systematic way of figuring out what I wanted to work on next, I wasn't really paying attention to my emotional needs in terms of closing the book on my previous attempts. Uh, so I should probably take care of that first. Hmm. Uh, the second thing is just... Um, I mean, talk to more people hmm. uh, and figure out figure out what I need to build. Uh, just get some more data, uh, and then just start shipping and building. Um, it's just like a constant iteration process. Uh, in terms of, I don't know. I, I think we talked a little bit about stopping. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I just I, I, personality-wise, I'm not the type of person that like if I do something, I don't really plan on stopping. Uh, so I think that may, that might be something that I need to revisit in the future. I think, Shai, what you were saying about your stopping criteria and kind of um, thinking about your needs and if they're being fulfilled or not in business is something that I'll have to think about. Uh, but, yeah, uh, I think just like doing the work and just iterating as quickly as possible and just talking to as many people as possible. I look forward to following up with you and seeing how your criteria for stopping and uh, what you identify as your emotional needs in doing these projects and okay. how the, the conversations with more people went. Having conversations with more people, I feel like, is probably going to be a common takeaway from <laughs> these, these episodes. Like, yeah. that's, that's, uh, that's something I think uh, everyone could be doing. Uh, Ide, thank you so much for being our guest on What's Stopping You. If yeah, you... Sure. Dear listener, uh, would like to have the same sort of conversation. You can find us at whatstoppingyou.fm. If you would like to have this conversation, but are terrified of the idea of it being on a public podcast, we have uh, paid options for you that you can choose from. Uh, or you can either direct message Shy or me on Twitter. Uh, Shy, any closing thoughts? Yeah, we missed a step. Hide, where can people find out more about you if they would like to do that? Yeah. Uh, well, first of all, thank you for having me. I had a wonderful conversation. Um, you can find me on Twitter at catsarecuter98, or I write about all this stuff, uh, catsarebetter.substack.com. Uh, yeah. Are you a cat or dog person? <laughs> 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 I, just like, I, really, I don't really know. <laughs> okay. 
<laughs> Hide, uh, thank you so much. Goodbye. Thank you. Except don't leave yet. Uh, quick debrief. What'd you think of that conversation? How'd that go for you? It was fun, man. I love having conversations, especially like um, kind of like problem solving conversations where you're trying mm-hmm. to like root cause blockers and stuff like that, especially like emotional ones. Yeah, I liked it a lot. Cool. Do you feel like we uh, helped you get unstuck? I, I think I think you you came into it pretty uh, emotionally aware of the the blockers that you had. Um, um, it really helped to know that I wasn't alone in these kind of base fears of like rejection and validation and um, talking to people. Uh, like I don't know, business is this weird thing. Is like most of most of the goals that I've had in my life have always I've just been able to do it myself or just put in the work myself like you know athletic goals you just go to the gym by yourself or you can like play with other people but it's mostly yourself but like with business it's like you have to get other people on board like um in order for you to succeed mm-hmm. uh, and it's and then it becomes like it's not really even about you so i think that's the really difficult switch and uh, that makes it so hard and it's it's really nice to see or not nice to see but it's like it's nice to feel less alone that I'm not the only one that feels like that. Uh, just uh, that feels scared of doing that stuff. Hmm. Um, That's great to hear. Good. Yeah. Shar, any other thoughts? Other things we need to wrap up? I I don't think so. I would love to have had time to come up with like a specific actionable next steps for you, so that there was something that, like for you to hold yourself accountable against. Is there a is there a number of people a set number of people that you could reach out to in the next however long? Let's do. I'll reach out to, or actually no, I will get meetings with two more people by in a week. So Wednesday, Wednesday. So by next Wednesday, I will get two more meetings. Okay, I actually preferred the way the the first one you were setting up Same. because it was um, because it was in your control. The number of meetings that you can get that has an element that is completely out of your control. It's not completely out of your control, though. Like, you just have to be... like Sorry, I, that isn't completely in your control. Oh, no, right. it's not. It's not. Um, but then it just kind of forces me to be a bit more, like, you know... <laughs> it's not about, like, mass spamming, like, a bunch of people, right? It's more just about, like, how do you, like, kind of pay attention to, like, these opportunities and try to be a bit more clever about, like, how do you get these meetings? So... No, not completely in my control, but I think there are things that I could do to influence it. So, what could could you could you specify a couple of those? Yeah. What, so, what, what, what will the what will you do? <laughs> I'm building this SaaS tool that uh, <laughs> identifies windows of opportunity, where it <laughs> helps you get more meetings. It's essentially what I'm building, right? Like, um, uh, so like one thing that I could do is I could reach out to I could leverage current relationships that I have. Um, I could leverage windows of opportunity that I find on social media, right? Uh, Like concretely, what does that look like? The next time you sit down on your computer with some time that you're able to dedicate to this project instead of your day job, what what will you do first? To the current people that I've already talked to, hey, do you have any friends that you might know that want something like this? Great. I think that's the first. Uh, Second is, let's see might be able to reach out to people in my former company. Maybe not Instacart because they're not B2B. Maybe Indeed, just B2B. 
then I can reach out to some account executives there. Uh, might be a bit too big for my market size, but I don't have to interview them specifically as users. I could chat with them and then leverage that into a relationship to get more people. Hmm. Uh, what else could I do? I think those are the two things. I don't know. Do you guys have any advice for me? <laughs> you guys have done this more. I think those were great starts. And my, my advice would be to break things down into incredibly small actionable goals, like 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 the exercise we just did. Because okay. it makes Brain it so much okay. easier to just sit, especially, actually that's that touches on what you were saying about lacking time. I don't know. I don't know if this is something that you uh, that happens to you at all. But I've I've been having a ton of conversations. I I tweeted about this last week, and it's it's generated a ton of conversations about what I call my my penknife technique. Pen no, what other people started calling my penknife technique. Of so it's the idea that when we, if you like you you go and get your penknife when you have a task that you need to get done that could use a penknife, right? And until then, you don't sit and play with the penknife all day until you figure out something to use it for. Like you leave it in the drawer until you need it. And it's the idea of using our computer in the same way. So rather than the computer being the place that you sit all day figuring out the next task that you need to do and inevitably ending up like on Twitter, um, that you stay away from the computer, decide what the next specific task is that you would like to get done and then you use the computer for that purpose and then you close it again and you move away and you decide what you're going to do next it's a good one i like that and yeah but essentially it's like fundamentally it's just a it's a way of really getting in the habit of breaking things down into specific tasks instead of realizing you spent the whole day on the computer feeling productive but not doing any of the things that would meaningfully move your project forward I like that. That makes sense. Pen knife. Okay. Yeah, I'll try that. I, I like where you were going with that uh, of uh, breaking down next steps into into discrete actions. Like, you know, if if I was looking at my to do list and one of them said take advantage of windows of opportunity to to contact more people, like, do I have enough time to do that? I don't know. I don't, what, what is that even like? What which windows of opportunity and in what medium and who am I contacting? But uh, if the next thing on my to do list is contact so and so who is the account executive at Instacart at this email address mm -hmm. uh, and and ask to set up a call. That's a juicy task that like I'm I'm happy to check off uh that that's much more concrete and like how could I not have time to do that? That take, that takes thirty seconds. Um so the the more you're able to break down those more complicated abstract uh, uh goals into actionable next steps that you could feasibly give to a, a Tesla bot or something and it would have a reasonable chance of getting it done. Uh the the more time I think you'll feel like you have for this project. Right. Wait, a Tesla bot? Is that a thing? Yeah, they're making robots. To sell? Yeah. For like 25 grand or something is what he's targeting, so it'll probably be 50 by the time they're done. But Oh, Tesla bots. I, I thought I meant like to, like these Tesla bots do the sales for you? Oh, no. I, I, I'm using this to say like I, I think an, uh, a personal assistant might be a, a better example. Like once you've right. broken it down so that, that you know, if you could, if you could text a personal assistant and say, okay, here's the task. Have you broken it down enough so that they would understand how to do it and they'd be able to do it. Right. If the task is 
take advantage of windows of opportunity and uh, you know generate leads. Uh, an, an assistant would come back from that being like, "What do you What do you mean? What's What's a window of opportunity? Like which hour?" But if you if you give them the task, like send this person this specific email, or don't even send it, like draft it so that I can review it later. That's a that's a much more uh, crispy uh, atomic unit of work that's much more actionable. I like that. Tim Ferriss would be proud. Yeah. And it becomes increasingly true the more scary you find the task, right? If it's a big, ill-defined task, but it's one that you're comfortable doing, then you can probably get away with keeping it as an ill-defined task because you're going to jump right in and figure out how to do the task and figure out the specifics and so on. But the more, like, as as the as your fear around the task increases, like the, there's a correlation between how scary you find the task and how small of a of pieces you need to break it down into. Yeah, I've literally had ones where I've been so daunted at this task and I put it off for a long time and whatever, and I've ended up breaking it down into pretty much down to the level of like, click on the Gmail tab, <laughs> press the compose button, and it's like each of those is an individual task on this list. Like, <laughs> type in the email address. Wipe know, it if, if that's if, right, but like if that's the level we have to take these things to because we're because we're scared of doing a certain task then that's the way to do it yeah um, I, and like i am not scared of pressing the at symbol on my keyboard so that's fine <laughs> i've got it to the level that it's that i'm comfortable with um also i, I have on my whiteboard uh what's the highest impact thing for my business today that scares me the most and i try to do it first thing in the morning that's um, good if only because I just want to enjoy my day. Mm. <laughs> so I don't want to like sit around like feeling helpless all the time. And I do sometimes forget to look at it. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I try to do that. Living that, that helpless feeling that you get from just like not doing something is that sucks. It just sucks. This is something I've talked a lot about with shy. I have a recurring to do in my to do app that is uh, what's the work that I least want to do today. And invariably, when I answer that question, it's the thing that I need to do the most that's like the most important, like, you know, scheduling a doctor's appointment or, or something like that. Uh, yeah, that's uh, that's insightful. I, I like the way you worded it. I think if you keep doing that habit, uh, that's going to be meaningfully pushing forward your business. Fingers crossed. Cool. Uh, thank cool. you, everybody. I think that's all.